It's March 14th, 2022, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Kohl's looks to stave off activist investors by transforming itself. Nordstrom plots an ad expansion as its new retail media network generates $40 million last year. Shopify launches a shipping platform in Europe with Shippo as its partner. Amazon continues to invest in the e-commerce software market. Is a new platform coming soon? And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news, Kohl's looks to stave off activist investors by transforming itself. Looks like Kohl's is looking to transform, and I think the question on the mind of investors is simple. Is it too little too late? Previously, I had posed the question, why does Kohl's or any department store need to exist? There's only so much consumer appetite for the same merchandise in yet another department store. The best department stores prove they understand their guests, merchandise well, and develop their own private label businesses. The worst are struggling to find ways to get customers in the door. Let's look at Kohl's solutions as reported by Retail Dive. They're looking to switch from a department store model to a, quote, focused lifestyle concept. It's really unclear precisely what this difference means. Would a consumer notice it? And also Sephora is apparently to the rescue. Sephora's coverage is going from 200 to 850 Kohl's stores. I'm guessing both sides had good results here so far. This is at least a way better idea than an Amazon returns bar. Apparently, Kohl's is in competition with Target's strategy to launch 800 Ulta shopping shops. Which store would you rather walk into and use, Target or Kohl's? I know which one I would pick. Kohl's is also looking at opening 100 smaller stores or stores in smaller markets. Macellum Capital, one of the activist investors, was not impressed with the plan and it gives a retailer no margin for error if it misses its top line revenue. My initial take is to agree with Macellum. It sounds like a risky plan that is both investment heavy, i.e. new stores and remodels, and not transformational enough to get consumers to look at Kohl's in a new way in order to make a big difference. I took a look at the board of the company, and it's a hodgepodge random collection, something else investors think needs to be completely realigned. I tend to agree. The company cannot count on the same people who got it into this mess to get it out. Why should we believe them now? This won't be the last of the Kohl's retail story, and I don't expect activists to go away anytime soon either. Our second story. Nordstrom's plots ad expansion as its new retail media network generates $40 million. It looks like Nordstrom is the latest player to formally join the retail media network revolution with the expansion of what it's calling the Nordstrom Media Network. A few tidbits from the release. Nordstrom's has over 32 million customers and 2 billion unique annual visits can be targeted by the program, not to mention off-site display advertising opportunities. The program started in 2019 with an initial focus on off-site programs through Google and Meta. I'm sure those initial test cases were useful for learning, but this type of advertising does not provide a brand partner with access to Nordstrom's valuable first-party data assets. Offline, Brands used to pay co-op dollars to get placement and promotions in stores. Retail media is the new co-op dollar and just moved all digital into both display and keyword-based advertising programs along with other promotional opportunities and analytics solutions for brands 
to understand the types of customers interacting with their merchandise online. Offline, brands used to pay co-op dollars to get placement and promotions in stores. Retail media is the new co-op dollars. It's just all moved digital into both display and keyword-based advertising programs, along with other promotional opportunities and analytic solutions for brands to understand the types of customers interacting with the merchandise online. For the average retailer to take advantage of these retail media opportunities, they need two things. One is an advertising software platform, and the other is internal digital talent with the skills to operate the platform. Either that or an agency to run it for them. And that's the dirty secret of the technology industry today. The tools and platforms are getting better much more quickly than people who are able to operate those platforms. It's a situation that industry has yet to deal with. Our third story. Shopify launches a shipping platform in Europe with Shippo as its partner. Shippo scored a major win in the shipping label wars with Stamps.com this week with the launch of Shippo for Platforms product, announcing Shopify Europe as its first customer. Shopify plans to use the service to power the back-end technology of its label printing and tracking solution in Europe, in particular the United Kingdom, France, Spain, and Germany. In case you're curious what Shopify shipping is, it's a built-in solution for Shopify to get shipping rates, allow its merchants to print labels, and track shipments. The crown jewel of this is the label because this is the primary source of revenue for companies like Stamps.com, Pitney Bowes, and Shippo. These players have created certified images of popular label types, which are then upcharged to various applications and platforms that wish to purchase postage and generate compliant labels within the major carriers. It sounds simpler than it actually is having been at Pitney Bowes and seen what goes into actually generating a compliant shipping label and supporting all the various features and functions available by the carriers. It's definitely harder than it sounds. Anyway, back to our story. This partnership is a win for both parties. Shippo gets exclusivity on a major market with a leading platform, and Shopify gets a shipping solution that allows its smaller merchants to print labels easily. This same technology will also likely power the tracking behind the scenes of its Shopify shop app in the future, although I wasn't able to confirm this. Shopify is investing significantly in expanding its European business, and this is a missing component there. The bigger question for me, does this mean that Shippo will be used in North America in the future to expand the set of carriers available and tracked in Shopify? I'm sure this was a part of the consideration in doing the partnership. Also on my mind, how did Stamps get caught so flat-footed here? Metapack is a crown jewel in the company's European strategy. I'm guessing it's not really in a position to be API first enough to really even bid seriously on the offering. The other competitor, Pitney Bowes, who had taken care of shipping labels for platforms like eBay and PayPal for many years, would seem to be the other choice, but the percentage of European revenue there is likely small. It almost goes to show you, sometimes you win just by showing up. And our last story. Amazon continues to invest in the e-commerce software market. Is a new platform coming soon? The big news this week is another Amazon acquisition in the e-commerce software market. That's right, Amazon is acquiring software platform Vico, a multi-channel inventory and fulfillment solution. My strong suspicion is that this solution will become the basis for Amazon's multi-channel app store, which it currently doesn't have. So let's review. Amazon acquired Indian cloud-based POS module Perpule, which focused on offline stores that had not yet digitized. Amazon acquired Australian-based e-commerce player Sells, which focused on entrepreneurs starting e-commerce stores. So now it has the trifecta, e-commerce, POS, and potentially App Store. 
Combine this with existing assets like an advertising and fulfillment solution, a connection to one of the most liquid e-commerce marketplaces on the planet, and the fact that Amazon tends to think in 10-year time horizons, and what do you think Amazon is planning next? Sure, it looks like a different approach than previously they've taken to the store's market. I would not be surprised at all if Amazon introduces a kind of global off-Amazon Prime to buyers designed to reinforce its existing flywheel, but on other merchants' websites instead. Let's ask a few important questions about what could be the new offering. Who is the target customer? I expect the first customer would be millions of sellers who grew up on Amazon and haven't bothered to create their own websites at all. Amazon has approximately 9 million sellers globally, and Shopify has about 3 million websites. So even to an order of magnitude level, there is a big opportunity for Amazon in multi-channel commerce, even before you think about competing with Shopify. What would be the offering? I think Amazon's offering would have a number of properties. What is Amazon trying to do here? Essentially create the same walled garden around its merchants in the wider internet that it created for its merchants in its own marketplace. Please note this is all speculation on my part, but it's interesting to think about, right? First, advertising exposure and multi-channel fulfillment, or what Amazon calls MCF, is kind of a white-label version of fulfillment by Amazon, and would be core to the offering. That would be immediate differentiator compared with competing e-commerce platforms. Second, the store would be global by default. You could launch your store inventory into any Amazon marketplace globally, or launch a global website easily. Did I mention you could transfer inventory worldwide wherever it needs to be using Amazon Global Logistics? Third, it would have a simple on-ramp for existing Amazon sellers who want to use Amazon to take them into the broader multi-channel world. And finally, there is also an outside possibility that this could replace both Vendor Central and Seller Central as the home base for brands selling on and off Amazon. Given the number of sellers on both platforms, I expect this could be quite difficult to pull off, but it also gives some idea of why it's taken so long for Amazon to release this solution. I give this less likelihood, but it would be an ambitious long-term goal for Amazon, as I can't imagine Amazon wants to maintain three separate brand portals long-term. The big question on everyone's minds is pretty simple. Who's going to trust Amazon to do this? I think most people who are considering this question are not thinking about the various segments of e-commerce merchants properly. Mainstream brands aren't going to make it their home, and they don't need to. However, that doesn't mean it couldn't get adoption from mainstream brands either. Amazon understands that its only true long-term competition is actually from Alibaba, which has much better tools for its brands and also advertising and fulfillment built in. If every Amazon seller suddenly needs a robust brand store on Amazon, then you have immediate adoption due to the natural competitive forces on the channel. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, Fanatics raises $1.5 billion at a $27 billion valuation. Fanatics now has exclusive licensing deals with all the sports leagues and scores of colleges and universities to make and sell jerseys, caps, and tons of other official merchandise. It also has a digital media arm and new marketplace called Candy Digital, which allows fractional or full ownership of digital collectibles. Unbelievable valuation, right? Second, buy now pay later provider Zip acquires Sezzle in a continuation of the space's consolidation trend. This is still a very hot space, but at this point, it's not easy for a new player to enter. After pay is exited to Square, Klarna could be worth about $60 billion, and a firm started trading on the NASDAQ last year. Buy now pay later allows consumers to pay in installments tied to specific products they purchase, often with lower fees than credit card companies, but not always. Third, 
DoorDash acquires restaurant ordering platform Bebot. It looks to me like Bebot is some of the territory that Square could be in with POS and ordering for customers in restaurants. Is it just me or is DoorDash doing all the things that I think Instacart should be? It'll be interesting to see how this place continues to play out. Fourth, beauty tech firm Perfect to go public in US via $1 billion SPAC deal. The beauty and fashion tech space has gotten extremely competitive in the last several years. Augmented reality has become extremely valuable in a number of different circumstances to help consumers of beauty and fashion make purchases in this category. And there are a lot of technology out there to assist retailers and brands that want to create those experiences. And finally, e-commerce group ESW or eShop World weighs IPO at a $4 billion valuation. Swiss Postback and cross-border leader ESW is apparently considering an IPO. This is on top of a torrent of activity in the cross-border space in the past year with Flow Commerce being acquired by Global E and Global E itself going public at a very high $4 billion valuation. According to the reports I've seen, ESW has even higher revenue than Global E, and so the $4 billion valuation could even be on the low side. Or will that mean that Global E's valuation will come back to earth a little bit when people see ESW's numbers? It's kind of hard to say. ESW is owned by Ascendia, who paid $1.4 billion for 49% of the business in 2021, so this could be a big payoff for them. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our show is produced by Citizen Racecar. Alex Brower is the producer and also wrote our theme music. The executive producer is David Hoffman. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.